Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. So far this season of Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, we have watched like 50 movies from 2022. Like 50 movies. And a bunch of... Yeah, and a bunch of 2020s and 2021. Like, it's been super current. Yes, we've been in a very modern mood. So, we said no to that. Let's go to even before I was born. This is... This is way back. That's way back. Like, were there dinosaurs then? There were no dinosaurs. Yeah, I just Googled movies from the, horror movies from the 70s. And you came up with The Wicker Man from 1973. It was the first one on the list that IMDb made of top horror movies from the 70s that we hadn't yet seen. Oh, yeah, we've so seen I, a like, bunch. I scrolled down in like, the first six or seven. Already seen. Yeah, for me... This movie is just only associated with Nicolas Cage going, bees, bees, bees. I don't understand that (laughs) reference. So I feel like now we need to, now that I've seen this one, I'm going to need to watch the Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see that because I haven't seen it, but I've seen that. I think it was a gif that people would use on the internet back in the old days. Our next like (laughs) mini series of reviews. I mean, if you're interested in continuing, people watch it and see if it's worth the time. Okay. Okay. Well, this movie opens with us getting to enjoy an entire sermon that didn't have to do with anything. We just get to enjoy it. It set the stage for Christianity. Indeed, there's a lot of, well, there's not a lot of that in this movie, but there's a lot about that. This was one of the most, like, thematic, like, ooh, this movie has a message kind of movies that we've watched in a long time. But I feel like that message was not for me. This was... I'm going to call this, I mean, this was not a scary movie. Anybody can watch this movie. It's it's about bad things, but there's it's not scary at all. Okay, when you say anyone can watch this movie, we should maybe, there yeah. are a few caveats to that, in that this is not a movie for children. No, it's not. That's true. there's a lot of sex, and someone is burned to death in a giant wicker Spoilers. statue at the end. Like... There is horror in this movie. It's just 1970s horror, which is so much more fun than... <laughs> it was good. I I enjoyed this movie. I'm going to be very upfront about that. Okay. Yeah, I'm bothered by the fact that this movie is called The Wicker Man when the Wicker Man shows up in the last minute of the movie and is never even discussed before that. And I feel like the title is a spoiler. Yeah, but I mean, if you hear the Wicker Man, do you know what that means? Did you, you know don't what know. that meant? Yeah, well, I mean, I've heard of this movie and the remake many times throughout my life, so I don't know if that's where that all comes from. I didn't know what it meant. I 
Probably could. This probably would have been one of the top things on my list of like, what do you think is going to happen at the end of this movie? Like, I probably would have <laughs> added it to my like list of five possibilities. Oh, but heading up to the end, I'm like, are they going to skip the Wicker Man entirely and throw this guy in the ocean? Because they've left that very open to yes. us. Yes. So here's the thing, though. And I we discussed this very briefly yesterday after we watched the movie. Just generally against our rules. That's a crime. But I wanted to make sure I wasn't making a total fool of myself. Oh, when just I both of you, us. <laughs> yes. I want you to have to be involved in this foolishness, too. Mm-hmm. No, when I asked you, what is a straw man argument? Ah. Uh, because I think, like, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, the movie doesn't make a straw man argument, but I think. The theme of the movie is really that, like, religion is making a straw man argument? Maybe. I was thinking, okay, this is something deep, that the title is not a spoiler. The Wicker Man is the cop who goes to the island. He is flammable, combustible, way hollow. Ooh, that's good. (laughs) He's just right on the edge of bursting, (laughs) and he's got a pig in him for sure. (laughs) And yeah, he's just, wow. So we haven't explained what all that is, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this cop shows up. He's looking for a missing girl. Like he's gotten a letter addressed to him saying, this girl went missing. We haven't seen her in almost a year. You have to do something. And so he comes to the island and he's like running around trying to find this missing girl. And I thought it was fascinating how this story played out because Mm -hmm. while he's running around looking for the missing girl. Everyone else is is flat out denying that this girl ever existed. They're like, yeah. nope, there's no such girl. That lady has a completely different daughter. We don't know what you're talking about. They were straight up gaslighting him so hard. Yes. And, and you this- don't gaslight a wicker man. That's dangerous. <laughs> See what you did there? Uh-huh. That was good. <laughs> no, so, but at the same time, there's evidence everywhere that this girl existed. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I spent so much of the movie going, wait a minute, if they're pretending she's not real, she clearly is. Like, she's Mm -hmm. everywhere. There's evidence of her everywhere. Why are they all pretending she didn't exist? Like, what is going on? It was, I was so intrigued and engaged by the way those two things worked against each other. Yeah, it was an interesting mystery because kind of piecing it together and they kind of they made it sort of clear in a way that she had been the last harvest queen or whatever, and they had killed her to sacrifice to the crops. We're like, that definitely happened. Well, sure, but they didn't say that. No, that they was, never said that. that. I mean, the movie, the movie made yes. that clear, yes. not the people. Absolutely. And that wasn't true. But first they made it seem like she had just straight up been murdered. And like he found her grave. Yeah. That had the umbilical cord tied to it. Like you do. Yeah, always. But inside the coffin, no Rowan Morrison body. Just the body of a hare. Because as her sister said, that girl turned into a hare. And she's happy now. She's not happy though. She's dead. The hare is dead inside the grave. Yeah. So, like, there were so many little things where you're like, wait a minute, what is going on? That's not what they said, but it's also not not what they said. And it just kept leading Uh him forward and forward and forward. Yeah, and they were always happy to have him investigate. It's like, I want permission to exhume this body. He was like, yeah, go ahead. 
<laughs> well, no, first they were like, no, oh, no, you can't. So that he would have to say, obstruction of justice. <laughs> and then they'd be like, all right. Well, no, the, the Lord, Lord Summer Isle, when he goes to talk to him, finally, he's That's like, true. he was like, I'm coming to you for permission on this. And he's like, yeah. That's true. You may do that. That is true. But a lot of, unless he was talking to Lord Summer Isle, everyone yeah. else like put up this facade of like, no, no, I couldn't <laughs> possibly. And then he would strong arm his way past yeah. it and they'd go, okay. Yeah. So the ultimate resolution of this mystery was basically that they had controlled his every action with these kind of things to put him in this position so that they could use him as their fool, which is cool. I like the whole concept, but it has the same problem that every movie with that plot has, which is including No Escape that we saw earlier this Mm -hmm. month, which is that you can't predict someone that well. Like They did a lot of things where... If he'd just done anything slightly different, it wouldn't have come out the way it did. And that always bothers me. Like, I think you could do that in a more real way where, you know, like sending him the letter. Yeah, that gets him there acting like she doesn't exist, but there's evidence. That's all good. And, you know, get him intrigued enough to get in to sneak into your harvest parade or yes. whatever. Dressing himself up like the fool. Yeah, that's which was funny. exactly what they needed him to do. But see that again, like he... They knew he was going to knock out the guy who was playing the fool. and Because that guy was the owner of the inn where they had him stay and who was sort of antagonizing him the whole yeah. time. So he like, I hear what you're saying. It's, it's implausible. I hear what you're saying. And often in those movies, like in, in No Escape, there were definitely places where I'd be like, that's not how I would respond to that stimulus, right? Like, yeah. I think there are some situations where there's a wide variety of responses. I suggest that perhaps what this movie, one of the things this movie was trying to say is that Sergeant Howie, by the fact that he was such a man of faith and was so deeply ensconced in Christianity and the teachings of Christianity, had very little variety in the responses (laughs) that he would give to specific stimuli. Yeah, he was on edge. How did they even know about this guy? Like, they really had him figured out. Yeah. Well, so one of the things that I liked best about it was at the end when they're, like, you know, doing the thing where the villains way over-explain rather (laughs) than just doing the thing that they were meant to do. They were pointing out that, like, their crops had failed even though they did their ritual sacrifices. So they needed to up the ante this year. So they had to find an adult sacrifice. And it had to be the right kind of adult. And I thought it was so cool how they were describing he needed to come of his own free will. Which he did, although under a lot of manipulation. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting like. Yeah discussion there there's a lot of discussion possibility around free will and what it is that he had to have the power of a king and he's a police officer in great britain so he is like bestowed with that power Mm -hmm. as as his authority um he had to be a virgin he didn't believe in sex before marriage because he was super Christian, and that was what he had been told. Kind of a stretch that they didn't know if he was a hypocrite on that or not, but okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think I think that's where it's different as, you know, like the 70s versus 
today, I don't know. I think maybe there's a little more wiggle room for people who are people of faith and then how they Yeah, behave. they just didn't know. know. It was all much more secret back then. Yes. And then they also needed him to be a fool, which he, of his own free will, <laughs> made himself into by stealing their fool costume. Yeah. Like, the whole thing was just, mwah, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, that was cool. I, I still feel, you know, implausible amount of directing, and it yeah. could have been simpler, you know, to not do that. In fact, there's a whole bit where the sexy innkeeper girl, like, tries to lure him into sex by banging on the walls. By banging on the walls. She was singing... <laughs> Singing because and banging. this movie is straight up a musical. Like, <laughs> There's so many songs. And, and it's not just that they're songs. Like, they're not just singing bar songs. Like, the songs are part of the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so she's singing. She's banging on the wall in the room next door. And she's like, I'm putting this in some heavy-duty air quotes. <laughs> sexy dancing? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was 70s sexy dancing. Like, weird I mean, tribal b- wall banging dancing yeah it was some intense upright writhing (laughs) i don't know it was definitely designed to entice him to come even though he could not see any of it he just heard banging noises and singing right he was just supposed to feel the vibe i mean there was definitely magic there it was like she lured him mystically yes that's a little weird, but, but you know, pagans do that. Because he was a man of faith. Yes. And he was <laughs> It was aged. very much one of those things, you know, where a demon's trying to seduce a priest and he's like, oh, I must, but no. Oh, and he's sweating and pressing against the wall. <laughs> it's just like, wow. I know, like that man sweat at the drop of a hat. Yes, he's a sweaty because guy. the night before... They had some kind of ritual thing where they had some other girl, like they did a whole mating ritual in a completely different room. I don't think he even heard them. It was just that it was, he knew it was happening because the rest of the villagers were down in the tavern, like singing a song about it. Yeah. And he's like up, clenched up in his bed, (laughs) like biting his finger and like, like in pure agony at the idea that someone else was having sex somewhere. Yeah, I think the idea was that he's real pent up. After all, they said he's engaged to be married, so he's like waiting for that day. <laughs> it was He was intense. Which is funny because the very first thing we see of him, you know, he lands in his plane and he's like, I'm going to find this girl. And I'm like, oh, he's just like Dudley Do-Right guy. Like, yeah. He's just like marching through town with his bag and he's so ready to save the day. And then it turns out that it wasn't like Dudley do right at all. It was just repression on repression. I mean, it was really creepy because he was, he was a police officer there to do policey things. Like he wanted to fix, well, he wanted to solve a murder Yes, and, you know, trying to find this girl and that's all great. But also he made himself the enforcer of Christianity. He was like, all you people clearly aren't Christian here. You've, you've let your churches fall to ruin and, and uh, you talk about sex and yeah, you, you're doing maypole dances. Apparently he didn't like that. Well, when they I explained mean, to the kids what it meant, 
but you know he's doing all these things and flipping out about it and like trying like he didn't have any authority so he couldn't actually say you're under arrest for that but he wanted to and he was enforcing christianity which was really gross and yeah. it was not great he was a bad guy he was and here's the thing like the rest of the villagers they did things that i was like ooh that's weird. Yeah, they did like, weird stuff. I don't know that I would be partaking in that particular ritual or, <laughs> and I'm not talking about that at the end. Like, just yeah. for the first three days that he's there, they're like coupled up out on the, on the lawn one night. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of different couples doing their thing out on the lawn. And I'm like, not for me, <laughs> but you're not hurting anybody. It seems to be all consensual, whatever. They're all singing a song while What's-Her-Face up there loses her virginity. Again, not for me, but everyone seems to be, like, on board with this. And even something as simple as, like, a little girl had a sore throat, so they made her put a frog in her mouth. Yeah. For, like, a couple seconds and then spit the frog out and then gave her some candy. Like, this was their little, like, home remedy for a sore throat. Yeah, she gave the sore throat to the frog, which I thought was terribly rude. That is kind of rude. But, like, is it... (laughs) I can't believe I'm about to say this. Is it that much different than the home remedy that I experienced where I was told I had to drink apple cider vinegar every time I had a sore throat? I'm so sorry. And that has ruined our cooking ever since because you're afraid of apple cider vinegar. I mean... Which is delicious. It's it's all... Like, at no point in those first three days was there anything that was actually bad. If you take away the once a year murdering (laughs) a young girl from their village to Uh keep their crops growing and also... The fact that when that didn't work, they lured a cop to their island so they could, like, psychologically torture him and murder him, you know, I burn mean, him to death. Yeah. Like, if you take That's out not great. that one piece of their religion, the rest of it is just weird. Like, just, uh-huh. it's unusual, it's odd, but it's not hurting anybody. Yeah. And in fact, was probably much healthier for everyone involved than most religious teachings. Yeah. It was interesting because, you know, there's a lot of this kind of movie where people go into the creepy society or creepy cult or whatever, and we see them being creepy. And what it usually is, is they're all silent and staring and whatever. Mm -hmm. This was like the opposite. Mm -hmm. They were all body and raucous and dancing around and singing. And he hated it because that's, he's silent and stoic. Yes. It was, (laughs) yes, it was awesome. Um, like so much, so much being turned on its head. And like, I I feel like this movie is three entirely different movies, depending on what, what your belief system is. Like a hardcore religious person watching this movie is going to see much more of a horror story than someone who doesn't believe in religion at all, which is sort of where we're coming from. Like, eh, you know whatever we're like sort of neutral ground where we're seeing both sides of it versus someone who like perhaps has a pagan background (laughs) would watch this movie and be like, it would be an entirely different thing. That guy should be burned. Like, right. Like it would just be like, ha ha, look at them playing with that, (laughs) with that guy. Like it, it was so like your perspective was so important when watching this movie. That's why I wrote a note of conservative horror. 
because that's yeah. where it's a it's a horror movie. If you're identifying with this cop and you think he's real cool, yes. you're like, oh no, this is horror. He's stepping into this terrible world of people having fun. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what it felt like was it was from the 70s and it was like there's a big audience for people who are deep into their Christianity and don't like other things. But here's the thing. This movie was not made pro Christianity, no. pro conservative beliefs. Like no. this was made as satire against those things. The protagonist was not the hero. No. But it wasn't even like you could see I, I'm envisioning like one of those like hyper Christian like film production companies like making movies about this. Yeah. Like they could make this same movie, right? <laughs> yeah. But in their movie you wouldn't get that underlying sense of of that the villagers are just a little off and different, but not bad, bad. Like, they would have been horrible and bad and, like, whatever. Like, they would have played up all that other stuff in a completely different way than the people who actually made this movie, who were very much making the point, these villagers are just... They're no different than any other small-town community anywhere in the world, except that... Sometimes they murder people. I mean, sometimes we all do. But <laughs> that was um, the like the camera work and stuff was from the cops' perspective. So we would see yes. things that really weren't bad. They were just weird. They were just unchristian. And it would like zoom in on them and be like, oh, what's that? Like there was there was something hanging in a window. I don't even know what it was. It was like a weird little hanging thing, like a dream catcher, but very different. But, you know, same idea, just like a thing hanging in the window. And it zoomed in on that. Like, that's not something a normal person would have. Right? Oh, or like the weird little, there was some kind of little door knocker thing on the door. There was like yeah. a face on the door. Yeah. Which I'm sure had some religious meaning for this village. Like, I don't think it was just like a quirky face. Yeah. It had meaning. But to him, he didn't know what it meant. And it could have just been like, haha, look at that quirky <laughs> face that they put on their door. Isn't that quaint? And instead he was like, gasp. Gasp. Indeed. You know what this movie reminded me of? And I'm very sure... This movie influenced mm. Hot Fuzz. Tell me more. I mean, it's very, very similar. It's it's the cop going into a quaint little village, uh-huh. and they're secretly a cult, and you know they all act weird, and he's flipping out about it, and the guy in charge of it all. It's very similar looking, Timothy Dalton and Christopher Lee. And it's this whole showdown between them. And I think this was a huge influence on it. It's a British movie, so Uh I I see the connection. Isn't that that Simon Pegg and Nick Frost? Yeah. Okay. I don't remember that movie at all then. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I need to watch that movie again with this background because it will probably make it It's a good movie. I do remember that it was good. I just don't remember anything about the plot. I bet it's very much based on this. I'm sure there's other references too, but I think that's a big part of it. We had the added layer of watching this on a streaming channel, Movie Land, that gave us ads at various points throughout the movie. Very often. Which, you know, lots of these streaming channels do, especially if they're free, and yeah. it is what it is. And the movie, they didn't, like, plan out these ads. No, they no, were no. just mid-sentence. Right, just would interrupt in the middle of whatever was happening. 
And the layer piece is that almost all of the ads that we saw, because as of this recording, we are a month away from election day, they were all ads that Greg Abbott put out about how evil Beto is. Uh-huh. And like, oh my gosh, it, it it literally added to the the like depth and horror of uh-huh. this movie to see what they were doing because it's almost exactly the same thing. Yes. This awkward girl is like, Beto is too dangerous for Texas. Because he wants boys and girls to play sports <laughs> together. Yeah. That was my favorite. Obviously we all know is like there's dog whistles all over that. That's a whole other issue that they're uh-huh. afraid to say because they know it's not a winning issue. Yeah. But, you know, got away with those red But it's flags. funny that they make this ad that literally, like, the actual words they say are... One of the things they say is, Greg Abbott signed a law to prevent boys and girls from playing sports together. And it's like, if you don't know the dog whistles behind that, you're like, wait, what did he do? <laughs> Why? Yes. So, like, it was the whole, you know, the wicker man... The Wicker Man still exists today and is alive He's running and for well office and running for office. And that that was a whole other thing. I would say though, this movie is worth paying $3.99 or whatever you'd have to pay on some other channel to see it without ads. But then you miss that layer. I mean, right, there you do miss that layer. But maybe other people won't get the Abbott Beto ads that fit so nicely. Yeah, if you're in Texas, don't yeah. pay for it. The the uh, I have good running shoes ads were less <laughs> yeah less connected to the movie. Speaking of that, one of my notes is about how when Howie is running around town, searching, it is good running shoes. <laughs> it is good running shoes. Searching for the missing girl, where he's decided. It's it's his right oh. to run in and out of every single person's private home and yes. just like tear open their cupboards and look in all you know. No warrants, no nothing. Right. This is just the thing that he's allowed to do. That perhaps because I kept seeing these dog whistle Abbott Beto ads was definitely giving me. I can't tell your gender by looking at your clothes or your haircut, so I'll need you to prove that you're supposed to be in this girl's vibes. Yeah, Yeah, that's so relatable. But I have two stories from that part of the movie that I loved. He's searching somebody's house. like He's going through their bedroom, and he sees on their bed... There are two puppets in a suggestive pose together. Like, it's nothing. They're just regular puppets that happen to be stacked on top of each other. other. He looks at it, and he slaps them down. He's like, no, that's not happening. No fornicating puppets allowed. (laughs) That was good. But then the best one was he's going into these houses looking for the girl, and he goes and he like looks behind the curtains in this house like she's going to be hiding behind the curtains first right. of all but that was funny but then the funnier part is one of the curtains has a secret passage behind it it's yes. a stairway down into the depths and he's looking at it and he's like okay she's probably not down there and he moves on he doesn't investigate <laughs> the secret passageway at all what <laughs> okay but you're missing what was actually the best part of his searching oh. the houses which is that in one of the rooms, he walks into a bedroom and there is a like wardrobe and he opens the wardrobe 
And a girl's body falls out, yes. sunk onto the floor, and he's like, oh. "I'm sitting there watching, going, oh my god, he really found he Rowan. found the dead body. What is happening?" He's like gently brushing her hair back from her face so he can see if this is who he's been looking for. This girl is just like limp on the floor. There's like red coming from her mouth, and as he pushes her hair back. She smiles and starts to laugh at him. And runs away. And runs away. <laughs> she straight up pranked him yeah. by pretending to be a dead body in a wardrobe. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mm, brilliant. This is what <laughs> happens when you like give children like free will and teach them what the world oh, is really like. Yeah, kids with free will. They make clever jokes. <laughs> When we step into a 70s movie, I'm kind of, especially this is early 70s, I'm immediately turned off because 70s. Mm, I mean... Yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah, it's like a huge dip in a culture throughout the world. 60s are better, 80s are better. Throughout the world, or is this just a Well, this is a British movie, so... Yeah. Yeah. That makes me sound like an idiot. Okay. And it opened... With stuff that made me, that confirmed me for that. Like, they're just having this church service that we have to sit through and watch, and then 20 minutes of him flying over the island and looking at it, and I'm like, okay, I get it. Summer Isle in real time. Yeah, they're like letting us just gaze upon this island for five minutes. Okay. But then it improved, and like, immediately it goes into this mystery. He lands at the island, and they're like, they don't want to come give him a dinghy to. He's flying a seaplane, and he lands near the harbor, and he's like, bring out the dinghy, which was funny. It was funny that he was pulling out his megaphone and yelling at them, and they were yelling back. <laughs> I mean, that's how you have to do it, but it's still funny. All of that, and so it like begins, goes straight in. He's like asking all these guys if they've seen this girl, and they all lie. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so Obviously. it just, yeah, it just goes straight in and gets weird and goes, and then it's it's not my kind of movie, but also the mystery is fun. And the 70s-ness is not my kind of thing. So I was pulled in from like a very negative position at the beginning to mm-hmm. more positive. And I liked that there was a twist to the end. And then I think, as a bonus, talking with you about this movie has improved my view of it further. Really? Yeah, I think I was like... Oh, yeah, that's you're reminding me of, you know, because you're excited about different things here, and you're reminding me of the things that were enjoyable in this. So that all comes down. I know I'm going to give this a lower rating than you are. Yeah, you are. I am. But it's it's real 70s. So, you know, I guess I'm going to go a little higher than I was. I'm going to give it four flaming hands out of five. Okay, that's fair. As you said, we have had... Not great experiences with movies from the 70s. Yes. A lot of them just don't hold up. Like the one, uh, what did they do to you, Solange, or whatever it was called. Yeah. was so, like, so, there were so many things where you just like, yeah. oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. that was 70s. No, 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 no. And people tend to excuse all of that by going, it was a different time. This movie is evidence that that argument is garbage. This was much better in those respects. But it also had that 70s thing, too. I mean, it had the 
the seventies thing. They were in the seventies. Like, uh, they couldn't help it. That seventies aesthetic. Like, yes, we have evolved 50 years past that. Mm-hmm. And that had really very little that I would consider problematic as of today. Like this movie, there were very few things where I'd be like, Ooh, that would get canceled today. The movie makes some very strong, like, let people live the way they want to live points. So in that sense, it's actually very supportive of, like, today's transgender movement, right? Mm -hmm. Like, support. On the other hand, there was still a moment of, like, the person leading their parade is the man-woman, which is... I mean, that, like, all those parade elements, those were, like, real. Those, that's... I think what they really do for these things. Yes, I think so. And so like, that's one of those things where I was like, eh, yeah, eh. it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Like I thought <laughs> it would be much more like mocking of the idea. And yeah, it wasn't it like wasn't. that was just the role. And it was actually played by Lord Summer Isle himself. And mm-hmm. then, you know, so it wasn't as bad. It, that was the one place where I was like, eh, there were probably some other things that I didn't pick up on that I could have picked apart if I wanted to. But overall, like compared to the way most 70s movies, I'm like, ooh, no, everything about this needs to be canceled. This one held up over 50 years mm-hmm. in an amazing way. There were also moments where I'm like, so the script, the video work, the sets, like everything had not a modern feel, but like it didn't feel... Like I was watching a movie that was 50 years old. Yeah, it was it was well put together. Yeah, which was, I'm very impressed by that. So, so yeah, all of that, awesome, awesome, awesome. I felt like this movie had so many layers to it and it has so many little places where you can like dig in and <laughs> have this in-depth conversation. We could talk about this movie for several podcasts because we could just take different pieces and just go from there, which is kind of a very 60s, 70s, you know, hippie vibe, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, this island had a hippie vibe. It definitely did. And and just the idea of like going into these deeper conversations and trying to figure out how the world works and society and, you know, all that. This movie is really good for that. I thought it was funny where it needed to be funny. I thought it was like thought provoking where it needed to be thought provoking. I was not particularly horrified by it because I come from a fairly neutral stance in terms of religious beliefs. But like your point of saying conservative horror, (laughs) like I could see where it would be terrifying for some people. And I can also appreciate it from my perspective of like, it's interesting that all of these things would be terrifying to someone like that's a place to sit and think. I think that's an interesting like 70s thing that they probably do sometimes nowadays, but it feels like a throwback is this movie where nothing really scary happens during it. The scare is the very end where you're like, it turns out all of that was a plot and your mind is being twisted around. Yes. Like, yes. like that would be super upsetting in real life. And so therefore that's what you're supposed to get out of it. Yes. The other thing that we didn't like, I, I talked about a little bit. I feel like it could be again, a whole other podcast. The hypocrisy of religion is so like just laid out and just yeah. like bared on the altar. Like it, it, it's so interesting. And particularly at the end where like 
this Christian police officer is just literally incensed at the idea that they would kill someone for their religious beliefs. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. dude, have you read a Bible? Yeah. Like, do you know anything about Christian history? Because my friend, <laughs> you're going to be like a little surprised. So there was that. And then there was him like in the wicker man screaming to them that there is no sun God. Like, yeah, that was like, interesting. Again, my friend, <laughs> <laughs> my religion is super real and yours is not. Right? Like it was so, it was so blatant. But he had the power of a king behind him. That's the thing. It's like, he's like, yes. everybody agrees with me. So shut up. Exactly. <laughs> and so like, it was so blatant, but it was also so well done. Like it didn't feel like I was being wept on the nose with a newspaper. <laughs> it was built into the story in a way that was, was very interesting. And then the piece from this movie that got a star next to it in my notes was the quote that Lord Summer Isle says to Sergeant Howie at the end when they're like explaining to him why he's <laughs> got to go in the wicker guy. He says, you have accepted the role of king for a day and who but a fool would do that? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> that is so relevant still. To this day, that is an amazing quote. And again, watching Greg Abbott and, <laughs> and Beto O'Rourke ads come up over and over again. Yeah. Like, they're both doing that. All the politicians are doing that. Yeah. Um, it's foolish. Yeah. It was, it, there were just so many layers and it gave me goosebumps in so many different ways. And it was, ooh, just like all, this was my movie. Good. This movie was my jam. Yeah, as they say they do. Um, and as such, I am going to give this movie five flaming hands. I enjoyed it. I would probably watch it again. It's one that if I had people come over who were like, I don't really like scary movies, yeah. but like maybe a little scary. I would have them watch this movie because there's so much interesting stuff to talk about. And it's also so well done. Hmm. Yeah. It's classic for a reason. Yeah, it's surprising. But would you watch it again if Nicolas Cage was the cop? So I am absolutely going to have to watch that because my curiosity is like just intense about how that all goes down and how this movie gets remade. But I am also 99.9% .9 sure that I will be extremely disappointed. <laughs> it, it should be interesting to see it put into a new era. And how does that work? Right? Because I don't think anything needs to change. Like, maybe they just remake it, like, scene for scene. Because it's still relevant to this day. Mm -hmm. Like, small towns everywhere are just like this. Yeah. We, we, in, in the town where I grew up, they still, every year, dump a giant dump truck full of rocks in the middle of Main Street around the 4th of July so that people can pick agates out of a pile of rocks. Why? <laughs> to please the agate lord. Right? Like, I have no idea. It's to keep the crops growing. Yeah. Keep the lake full. I mean, that's what I it's always know. about. It's always about the crops. Yeah. So anyway, definitely would give this a five. I think people should watch this movie. I think even if you don't love horror movies, this is a yeah. movie that you should watch. If you enjoy any of the things that we've been talking about in terms of, like, thinking kinds of conversations. Yeah, it's 
it's not very horror-y, but it is it is a mystery. Yes. Fight the horror of a world gone mad. Obviously, I had so many political thoughts while watching this movie on so many different levels and facets. Um, I cannot even begin to, like, mention all of them in my hot political tip. So I'm just going to keep it brief because we've talked at length at this point. Um, My hot political tip for you today is that it is pointless to argue with someone who has obsessive beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that, like, don't argue with people who believe in Christianity because it's not that. It's not, I'm, this is not an anti-Christianity statement. This is anyone who has fanatical beliefs about something, who, who has taken the belief system of some organization and turned it into, like, their core being. You can't argue with them. Like, there's no changing their mind. Like, literally, that man was burning to death. <laughs> and he was still arguing about whether or not his God or their God existed. Yeah. Like, there's no... You can't reason with it. You can't have a conversation with it. You you kind of just have to be like, yep, you do you, boo. And the problem then comes in when them doing them involves them telling me what I can do with my body and how what I can put on my body. And yeah what jobs I'm allowed to have and what words I'm allowed to say and what foods I'm allowed to eat. And, you know, then we have to, then we have to do something about it, but that's not arguing with them about their belief system. It's holding ground in terms of you get to do what you want. I get to do what I want. That's the way the world works. Um, and we are dangerously close to that not being the way the world works. Very much so, which is ironic because in Iran, they are dangerously close to fixing that, I would say, although it's going to be real ugly along the way. Well, that's the thing. It gets ugly because <laughs> when you're trying to protect freedom of belief from the, the, the fanatical beliefs of one group, it, it like you said, you can't reason. You yeah. can't argue with them. You have to... like basically outnumber them, I guess. In and so what that takes me to is vote. Oh. Vote, vote, vote. And do more than vote. Show up, be the places, have the conversations, be a part of the solution. But while you are doing those things, don't sink to their level and and turn, you know, spend all of your time like having arguments on on Facebook or Twitter mm-hmm. or wherever, Reddit about what's right and what's wrong because those conversations are completely non-productive. Do not retweet bad takes in order to dunk on them. You're just spreading the bad take. Exactly. And I say that as someone who regularly falls into that trap myself <laughs> because it's infuriating to see, but it doesn't help anything. It just burns a lot of energy for no reason. And you could better be, be directing that energy towards something productive. Like getting other people elected and changing the world. Let's change it. Awesome. Starting with a movie next week that we'll tell you all about. Next week. Next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Don't forget to call your elected representatives.
What? What? Wicker, wicker, wicker man. Why did you laugh? <laughs> did you record that? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> that better end up at the end of this podcast. <laughs>